0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Brothers and sisters, what kind of church would we have if everyone imitated you? I say it would take a lot of nerve to invite all of Christendom. Uh, to innovate, to imitate you, but that's exactly what St. Paul has done in the third chapter of Philippians, 17th, 18th verse. He said, Brethren, imitate me and mark those who live so. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Well, as Paul, cocksure, arrogant man, to boast himself as a pattern for all? Hardly. Because this is the one insane man who, despite all of his previous outward marks of righteousness as a high ranking Pharisee, uh, said that he had absolutely no confidence in the flesh. That is, no confidence in his natural self. He's the one insane man who called himself as the foremost. Of all sinners, the one and same man who said, "Wretched man that I am," in Romans seven twenty-four. So, in what respects then has is consider himself to be example of the church? He said, "Many of whom I tell you, and now tell you, even with tears, live as enemies of the cross of Christ." So he's saying, imitate in, imitate me, and in doing so. You will live a life in accord with the truth about Jesus Christ and him crucified. Imitate me, and in doing so, all of your hope for being in a good relationship with God is based on nothing less than Jesus Christ and his righteousness. Paul had this impassioned, intense desire that the false teachers not have they... Their way with the people at Philippi uh, into having unsound doctrine about the cross. When, and when is the last time that you uh, have wept for your church? Paul literally, to the point of tears, said, Many, I tell you, with tears, I tell you now, have lived as enemies of the cross. Enemy of the cross. It has a terrible ring to it, doesn't it? How would you like to have that as your final epitaph? Enemy of the cross. Whom exactly is Paul warning against? Well, we have to understand this verse in the context of Paul's theology of the cross. An enemy of the cross is a man who thinks that Jesus Christ did not necessarily have to die to open the gates of heaven to the sinful human race. Paul so believed this to be the case that he said later in Corinthians, I have decided then to know nothing amongst you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Because you see, it is simply untrue to the gospel to proclaim that even God so loves the world or even that forgiveness is available without talking about the substitutionary death of Jesus Christ, the cross is the indispensable element of the New Testament. And some enemies of the cross are in your face. I think of that hilarious ca- character in Flannery O'Connell's uh, novella, "Wise Blood." Uh, novella's uh, writings—they're they're humorous, but they're mighty true to life. And they're, for what it's worth, there several copies in the bookstore. But in "Wise Blood," the wacky Southern street creature hazel moats he preaches uh, with great passion a christianity without the cross and he parked his old edsel uh, in front of a small town movie house to catch the drain of the people as they uh, were coming out of the picture show and said listen you people what church do you belong to you boy there listen to me all of you listen to me i want to tell you something many of you think that you're not clean well let me tell you you are clean Every one of you people are clean. And let me tell you, if you think it's because Jesus Christ was crucified, you're wrong. Now, I don't say he wasn't crucified, but I say it wasn't for you. Listen here. I'm a preacher myself. I preach the truth. And I'm going to take the truth wherever I go. I'm going to preach it to whoever will listen at whatever place. And Hazel Modes preached unrelenting fervor, uh, Christianity without a cross. Well, you say that's just fiction. Let me show you. Unfortunately, the real life enemies of the cross are alive and well, not just outside the church, but within the church, which is worse. And this is exactly what St. Paul was dealing with the congregation of Philippa. Paul was referring to professed Christians within the church, persuasive, very sincere, teachers indoctrinating young people and old people with false views, and it made him weep. At a recent clergy retreat, a respected clergyman stood up at the teacher's podium expounding his views that if Jesus Christ had lived to be 85 years old and died a natural death, nothing much would have changed. And he said he wanted to take the violence out of Christianity, the blood out of Christianity, enemy of the cross. But we have to be careful, you know about pointing fingers at the other guy because it's simply in our DNA to be an enemy or to be against the cross. Paul saw this in his day. He saw that it was simply human nature to rely on your own righteousness, your own merit before God, as if Jesus Christ didn't have to die to make you okay before God. We're talking about very nice people at whom they receive very nice uh, eulogies, honorable citizens who say, you know, I may not be perfect, but I think God is okay with me and my life, my generosity and the various things I've done for the community. Remember, Paul was not addressing, you know, vile heathens. He was addressing very religious people when he called them enemies to the cross. Martin Luther, he admitted to being at one time an enemy to the cross. He was once a 16th century Augustinian monk, he said. When I was a devout holy monk holding mass every day and having no thought that I, but that I was on the road leading directly to heaven, if anyone had accused me then of being enemy to the cross, I would have immediately at least helped to find stones for putting to death such a person or to gather wood for his burning. And Martin Luther's eyes was open to the painful but the beautiful truth. That all of his righteousness, 100% of his righteousness, must necessarily flow from what Jesus Christ accomplished by his death. The one point in which all the gospel narratives agrees is that Jesus Christ taught that I must go to Jerusalem to die. And as soon as the disciples confessed him to be the Messiah of the cross, he began to teach, I must go to Jerusalem to die. The necessity of his death was the very heartbeat of Of his person and work, and without it, he would not have been who he was or what he was. Without it, we would all be children of wrath, not children of God. Jesus said, I give my life as a ransom for many, so that we might become, have the power to become children of God. Children of God. The death of Jesus Christ is the central thing in the New Testament. And then the Christian religion is the New Testament understands it. And the alternative to salvation by Jesus, by the crucified Savior, is that sinners are left with their own responsibility, doom, curse, and death. But thanks be to God, we're not left with our own responsibility, doom, curse, and death. In fact, the most amazing, the most incredible, the most astounding thing of all, of all is to quote Romans 5.10, while we were yet enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of God's Son. He who has ears, let him hear, because this is the most freeing thing in the world. And so I invite you this morning to imitate me in imitating Paul, who made the cross of Jesus Christ the most important thing in all of human existence. For as we read in Acts, there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. May God draw reluctant hearts and now give doubting souls courage to believe this for Jesus' sake.